Welcome to Love Babs Love Talk. This is the talking part of the show. <sighs> the wheels keep turning. So I get to talk to a guy with such great energy, Michael Koskoff, who is a prominent attorney and the screenwriter for the movie Marshall. The movie about Thurgood Marshall. Yeah. And his Connecticut case. It's a Connecticut case. Oh my God. I saw the film. You love it? I loved everything about it. Uh, everything so about good. it. Yeah. And so you have a compelling story to tell about all parts of this movie. I'll tell you anything you want to know. <laughs> I got the whole thing. I've been on this thing. I've been working on this for eight years. Has it been eight? I eight didn't realize years. it was eight years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, all right, let's start from the, let's go from, let's go back. How did this film find you? How did this case find you? Uh, actually, it was brought to me by a friend, uh, Jack Zeldis, who was another lawyer in Bridgeport, who, uh-huh. who does a lot of history, did a lot of history. He passed away a couple of years ago, unfortunately. But he was a great guy, a brilliant guy. And he said, uh, you know, I've been trying cases for years. You know, I go back and trying cases in Bridgeport, New Haven, all over the state. And he said, did you know that Thurgood Marshall tried a case in Bridgeport? I said, you're kidding. Why didn't I know that? He says, nobody knows it, but I found the case. Wow. And he... And it turned out it was this incredible trial that happened in Bridgeport in 1941, uh, just before we were going into World War II. Uh-huh. And uh, he tried this sensational case that was the talk of the media. Uh, it was on front page of the Daily News, okay. front page of the New York Times. Yes, because it was a lot of day. lot of coverage on this thing. It was like the OJ case. Yes. And, uh, you know, the press was all over the case. It was sensational. It was the, one, one headline called it the sex crime of the century. Oh, or my the God. sex mystery of the century, <laughs> they called it. I know. Uh, wow. So, you know, it got everybody really excited uh-huh. because it was, it was uh, a claim by a, a, a white woman from Greenwich, a socialite, that her African-American chauffeur had raped her multiple times and tried to kill her, tried to yeah. throw her in a reservoir and kill her. So, you know, of course, the uh, the media was a buzz. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and people, of course, because he was accused, people obviously assumed he must be, he guilty. Must be guilty. And he's black and she's white. Yes. And he's, he's a guy who doesn't have a lot of money and who's had a, a rough life and who got a dishonorable discharge from the army and has all kinds of baggage and so everybody assumed he was guilty and a lot of uh, uh, black people started losing their jobs uh, you know white employers started firing him just because of this yes and and you play that and that's played out in the in the movie you see it it's very subtle yeah, yeah. but you start to see it yeah so all right so you get this story and we'll talk more about the story but how do you get to write the screenplay like how do you 
say, you know what? I think this will be a good movie. Let me do this. Well, uh, Jack said, see, I have two kids who are screenwriters. Okay. Uh, in in California. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, maybe your kids would like to to write this because he said it sounds like such a great screenplay. I mean, I, as soon as you read the story, you say, hey, this thing should be a movie. Uh and and I'll tell you there's a lot of reasons for that, but I'll go into them later. But that it was he said, "Why don't you do it?" And they were at that time kind of uh, tied up with other things. So uh, I said I'd give it a shot, and I did the first draft. And then after I did the first draft, uh, my son's schedule cleared up, and I brought him in to write it with me. So we we collaborated for eight years on this screen. So as an attorney, this must have been quite <coughs> exciting. Because there's a lot of uh, lawyerly talk in this thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And a lot of it was like real stuff that you said you'd lift it. You didn't even have to write. It was just it, there. It just came right out of my brain because the, you know, I have been in court so much of my life. I've spent in a courtroom. And every time I see courtrooms on TV or in movies, I always say, they don't have it right, but it's not even not having it right. Uh-huh. They don't have it as dramatic as it really is. You oh. know, they think they're being dramatic, but when you're actually going through a trial, there's nothing more dramatic than mm-hmm. a, than a really well tried case. Yes. So what I tried to do is to to bring that into the courtroom. And it, into it, the courtroom you did. Scenes. Okay. So now here's a, here's a couple of other things. So the NAACP sends Thurgood Marshall to Connecticut. Because this is a case, because in those days, the NAACP was all about sending um, attorneys to, in, in these places. Well, 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 oh, wait, 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 sending wait, wait, Thurgood. Babs. Sending Thurgood. Sending they Thurgood. They had only one attorney. Yes, sending Thurgood. Yeah. And he went all over the country, yeah. wherever they would send him, mostly yeah. in the South, yeah. by himself, unaccompanied, to deal with these cases that they decided they it, they wanted to help represent exactly defend. exactly and nobody even knew i mean that not much has been written about that part of his life and that is to me was the most interesting the most important yes yes yeah. you know why because we always think of thurgood marshall when he gets to the bench right right we right. don't think about what led up to the bench and before he even gets to the bench when he gets out of law school he sues who does he sue he sues well he got he he lived right next door to the University of Maryland School of Law, and he tried to go get in there, but they wouldn't let him in because he was black, and they they didn't they were segregated, and so he immediately he applied uh, to Howard, which was way over on the other side of town, it was an hour and a half away. So he went to Howard, got his degree. Got out. First thing he did was sued the University of Maryland Law School. <laughs> and won, <laughs> and right? Won, and he made, forced him to integrate. <laughs> I mean, this guy was was a phenomenon. I mean, he he argued in the United States Supreme Court when he was 30 years old. Wow, and that's unheard of, right? Unheard of. Nobody does that. Yeah. I mean, you have to be. And he was black. I yeah. mean, he was such a, a pioneer. And... You know, I think a lot of his 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 fame was sort of superseded by other people who came along afterward, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, and yeah. people sort of forgot that this guy was out there fighting all by himself for years, mm-hmm. all by himself. He he had the whole 
the whole thing on his shoulders. Yeah. And, and, and we're glad we could bring that to the screen. So he gets to Connecticut. He can't, pract- he can't take this case because they won't let him in. They won't let him in. Not a member of the Connecticut bar, right. says the judge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had some legal basis for saying that. So he, he gets a local guy. Uh, who was his name is Sam Friedman, who, who is Jewish, who is Jewish. Now, here they are, a black and a Jew at a time when there's anti-Semitism is all over. Racism is all over and defending this poor guy who's accused of this crime. I'm not going to say whether he's guilty or not. That's you got to You got to go see, see it October 13th. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you got to see that. Uh, but they, they, there they are. They're defending this guy in front of an all-white jury, an all-white, you know, a with a judge who was not judge. sympathetic at all, not sort a, of, kind right, of, maybe. yeah. Right. Not. In fact, he was the law partner of the prosecutor <laughs> before he went on. <laughs> yes. the Judge. Yeah. So there's a lot stacked against this thing. Yeah, yeah. And then there's all kinds of twists and turns in the trial that make it, I think, interesting. And through the whole thing, what we want. People to understand and come out of that these are two courageous men uh, and they you want to learn about something about Thurgood Marshall's character yeah. that made him uh, go on to such success he was he set records all over the place he he won 29 out of the 32 cases he argued in the United States Supreme Court that is crazy it's crazy it's a record so he became they, he actually did become friends with the Jewish attorney who he met in Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. And that attorney actually started on, doing that and work, he right? started doing things for his whole life. He was like, became lifelong member of the NAACP. It changed he, his life. He, he changed his life. And, and this was brought in to show sort of the kind of thing that Thurgood Marshall did all over the country mm-hmm. later on. That's how he built the legal defense fund is by having alliances with lawyers all around the country who then he could call upon to do cases because one person couldn't do it alone. So what what I was struck by, the look and feel of this film, it's a beautifully shot film. Mm-hmm. Like, you spared no expense. It looks, well, it looks pretty. They spared no expense. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say that. It, look, it looks pretty. Yeah, it And is it's shot pretty. in, where's it shot? Upstate Buffalo, New York, right? Buffalo, New York. Because the architect of the train station yes. was the same architect of Bridgeport. No, of Grand Central. And Grand Central. Yeah. So yeah. it has a, so it all sort of looks the same, mm-hmm. right? It has a very old 1941 feel that was similar to Bridgeport, but to be truthful, perhaps a little nicer than Bridgeport. <laughs> <laughs> and I love, I was born in Bridgeport. I love Bridgeport, but you know, this is, this is some beautiful shots. <laughs> That courtroom is gorgeous. Oh my gosh! Isn't it? Is that still? That's yeah, that's the that, courtroom. You know right? what? The In... city of Buffalo uh, gave us the courtroom. They didn't rent it to to the to the studio. They said, "Go in, use it as much as you want." It's two weeks. It was closed down, but they opened the whole oh, thing. Really? The city of Buffalo laid out. Uh, red carpet for us. Oh, how kind is that? And then they gave tax credits to the to the company, which allowed them to spend more money on the film. So Chadwick Boseman yeah. as Marshall yeah. looks nothing like... No. Nothing, and, and, nothing and, like... And Josh Gad as Sam Friedman looks, looks nothing, nothing like, like Sam yes, Friedman. Like his... Pe- yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, he doesn't. And that was an issue. Um, it was an issue for Chadwick. 
because he loved the script. He wanted to do it, but he felt uncomfortable. And he said, look, I've done two big biopics already. Yes. It did Jackie Robinson and mm -hmm. James Brown. And amazing, yeah. amazing. He didn't look like them either. But he didn't look but, like but them But Thurgood either. Marshall is, yeah. you Pe know. People have an image of Thurgood Marshall. Yes. But let me just say one thing. The Thurgood Marshall of 1941 did not look like the Thurgood Marshall of, uh, uh, you know, of later years, yes. he was a he was a handsome guy. He was a you know a real uh, oh yeah, uh, and he was a bit of a ladies' man from what everyone says. Yes. But, <laughs> but, yes. it, but he he was, and he you know he was a guy who loved life. Yes. And, and that comes through. So Chadwick had a little issue with it, um, and I became really friendly with John Marshall, who's who's Thurgood's son. Uh huh. And. I basically, I said to him, you know, I said, we've got this wonderfully talented actor who's so versatile and charismatic, and but he's a little reluctant. One thing, he's, you know, he's not as light as Thurgood was, mm -hmm. and his physical appearance is, is different. And uh, John Marshall said, ma'am, he said, my father would not approve of him turning it down for that reason. <laughs> he said, he, he, the, the important thing is, can he capture the character? He, I thought he did. I think he did. I thought, I thought yeah. that um, when I was watching him on screen, that I was watching Thurgood Marshall. Yeah. The, the dapper dress. The, yeah. And I think everybody in that time, though, don't you think, Michael, had a real care about how they dressed. Yeah, they did. You, you, know? I mean, you look at pictures of old baseball games and you see everybody is out in the stands with shirts and ties and yes. hats yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's sort of silly it looks silly now but he was he you know he was concerned with that uh and i'll, I'll tell you one sort of funny story though uh we went to a filming uh to a screening of the movie after it was made for the marshall family mm -hmm. and there they are the whole marshall family was there like 16 people and uh mrs marshall Thurgood's widow, who's 89 years old, was yes. there. And she's sitting in the audience. And so I'm really worried. I'm saying, look, this is, for me, I'm sweating bullets because I want to <laughs> make sure if these people don't like the film, yes, I'm in real salt, trouble. Right? Yeah. So after the film, I went over to Mrs. Marshall, who's this tiny woman. She's like about 4'10". And I said, well, uh, sissy, I said, uh, what'd you think of the movie? And she calls me over and she says, well... That man who played Thurgood. I said, yeah. He said, well, he's a good actor. and He's a handsome man. But the real Thurgood was so much more handsome. <laughs> <laughs> and then she laughed. I mean, she was a real, she's a real character. And a, and a very funny woman. She's great. Now, now there, the, my favorite scene, one of my favorite scenes in the film is when they're, they're uh, out to dinner. Thurgood Marshall, his wife, yeah. and he's with Langston Hughes and Langston Hughes' friend, and he, in comes Zora Neale Hurston. Yeah, yeah. And Audra Day is singing. Yeah, yeah. Which is supposed to be sort of like a Lady Day kind of vibe, exactly. or or something yeah, of that yeah. nature, or Lena Horn, or Lena, or a Lena yeah, Horn yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yes, a yeah. Lena Horn kind of vibe. Yeah. And uh, and in comes Zora Neale Hurston, and that whole exchange at that table, and they're looking very black and glamorous. And I thought, wow, what a lovely touch that was. Well, we wanted to show that we were really concerned because 
it's not, this is not really a biopic in the sense that we're trying to tell all the little facts about Thurgood Marshall's life. But what we wanted to show, we wanted people to get the feel of it. Yes. And he lived in Harlem during the Harlem Renaissance. He went to college. His college, one of his best friends in college was Langston Hughes. They both went to Lincoln University together. And his Langston Hughes remained his friend through his life. And other people who were his friends were Cab Calloway, yes. Duke Ellington, <laughs> Joe Lewis. So here he is. He lives in this great... He lives in Harlem at a time when you would just love to be living in Harlem yes. with all of this oh my vibe God. and all of this culture that's around you. And then he goes off on these journeys into the South where he goes into redneck country and tries cases where they've never seen a black lawyer before. And it's amazing and that he don't wasn't like killed. seeing a black lawyer. I yes, know, I I'm know. stunned by that, that he wasn't yeah. killed by himself. I know. You know what I mean? All by himself. I mean, what, what courage this guy had. But anyway, I love that scene in, in, in the nightclub with uh, Zora Neale Hurston and, and Langston Hughes. And these are all people who are part of his, his circle of friends. Yes, that was yeah. the circle of friends. Yeah. Um, the Beinecke Library has letters between um, all of Langston Hughes's letters to mm-hmm. people like Zora Neale Hurston. Mm-hmm. All these letters that, he, that they wrote because that was the, that was the way that they communicated. Yeah. Um, and so that was wonderful to sort of see that done in the yeah. film, yeah. you know, and showing his personal side. You know, you've got a little bit, you know, uh, his wife and yeah. the, the losing of a baby or babies. That was a big thing in his life also. His, his wife, who at the time, his wife was uh, Buster Burley. And Buster uh, had multiple miscarriages. They really wanted to have kids. They couldn't. She died at a young age. And he remarried uh, after that. Mm-hmm. He mar- married Sissy. But uh, and then they did have kids. They had two, two boys, uh, um, John and, and Thurgood Jr. So when you're writing this, like, what was the research like, Michael? Like, how did you... I mean, you're a man. You're. I mean, you're. You're a man of a certain age now. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're so, so sweet. <laughs> what you mean is, I'm a geezer. <laughs> come on, come on, Babska. Yeah, say it like I thought you talked like. <laughs> I'm, like I'm kidding. So, 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 what was this like to sort of take yourself back into this time and really immerse yourself in? And what was happening? Well, I loved it. I mean, I just, I, I ate it up. Because, the, first of all, I've always been fascinated with that period of time. Mm-hmm. It was just before I was born, but not that much before I was born. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you know, this was, these were horrible times because uh, the Nazis... A lot was going on. The Nazis were going were on. on the rise in, in Europe. Yes. And they're, in the time, they're, they're taking, you know, they're putting... Jews and concentration camps and and, and you touch on this you yeah. touch on the fears of american jews right. um around right. that time and right. why is it why is he bringing this attention yes to us when we at a time when we don't need this attention because so much is going on and we're hearing stories come out of europe about what is happening to our people you you play it's played so beautifully in the film mm-hmm. the fears mm-hmm. that people had mm-hmm. and that's that that and that was absolutely true, you know, because there was this was going on in Europe there, and there was a lot of Nazi types in the United States at that time. Like, and, like, oh, like oh, now, no, was, oh, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> there oh, are similarities, oh. and you know, there were more similarities, I think, 
that we real then we really even realized when my son and I wrote the script. Mm-hmm. But it, history has a way of sort of coming back at you sometimes. Yeah. I think. Well, so so I'm watching the scenes where the white people are outside with signs mm-hmm. and the hatred is mm-hmm. high, mm-hmm. and I think people in Connecticut and in the Northeast in general, we we tend to whitewash that part of history. Like somehow or other, we don't think that that happened up right. here, right. that there was that kind of racial tension and strife. Well, in this trial, not only did uh, was, there, was there opposition in the white community, but there were racist letters sent and threats sent to the judge, to oh. the jury, and to both both lawyers and their families. Wow! And they were really now. We we there were some parts in the film that obviously it's a it's a movie. It's not a uh, uh, you know. So some parts are dramatized, but the the real documentation of those letters is really horrendous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, every vile, racist, anti-Semitic slur you can think of. Uh, and, and these people were out there and these people were after, uh, Marshall and Friedman. Yes. Okay. So now it's beautifully directed by Reggie Hudlin, who, you know, house party and all those oh, great yeah. films and all of that. How did you get him? Uh, cause he's busy. Well, he's busy. <laughs> Let me say, uh, he, he w- wanted to do it uh-huh. Because and this was all there were so many coincidences that came about in order to get this film made. But one of them was Sam Friedman's daughter, Lauren Friedman, happened to have a friend in Hollywood whose name was Paula Wagner, who was the producer, and she produced a lot of the Tom Cruise movies. So mm-hmm. she's a big time producer. She was a friend of Reggie's, oh. and when she when she got she liked the script. And she said, you know, and my son and I uh, both said, we really do need a black director. We were, you know, two Jewish guys doing a film about, about black. a black hero. And, <laughs> and, you know, that's not, we need that perspective. Mm-hmm. And That's very thoughtful because some people would have said, I'm going to just do it. <laughs> No. I would just do it. Some would, but they would be wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, wow. Because Reggie, what Reggie brought, and, and, and so Paula talked to Reggie, and Reggie said, Paula, he read the script. He really liked it. He says, I want you to know he's Thurgood Marshall has been a lifelong hero of mine. He said, the name Thurgood was on our short list of names for our kid, for our son. Oh, get out of here. He said, I <gasps> would love to do this. I film. didn't know that story. Yeah. And at, See, that that's point, good. at that point, nobody, of course, nobody thought even then that we'd ever get financing. But he said, listen, if we can get this made, I want to direct it. It wasn't even a hard, it wasn't a hard sell at all. <laughs> so now I get the feel from this film um, that, that Marshall and the word Marshall has its own sort of connotation about you know, goodness and law and yeah. order and I mean, and, he was a force on his he own. Was like, well, that's right. And and the funny thing is, uh, we when we talked about the title. It was just exactly what you're saying. We said, you know, he's like the old time marshal. Yes, the old time cowboy marshal. Yes. who goes from one town to another dispensing justice. Yes, and he's <laughs> and, you know with great courage yes. and all that. 
And so And it comes through. And it comes through. Yeah. It comes through. Yeah. I mean I thought uh I thought this film was quite timely. Do you feel like it's timely? Oh man, is it ever there's so many things that I think resonate today. I mean uh, you know, I I've now seen it the finished product so many times that you know, I know that every time I see it, even though I wrote it, I see something different. For example, Sterling K. Brown. Now, oh my gosh. Sterling K. Brown. Yes, from from the fame of This Is Us, this yeah. is the NBC and, show, This yeah. Is Us, and who, who won, he's beautiful in. And he won the Emmy last year for Best Actor. Yes. Uh, from This Is Us. He is an incredible actor. And he's good looking. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I would not be a good judge on that. Uh, I, I, I don't like the fact, though, that when he goes on TV shows, he takes his shirt off because it's like a challenge. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> he'll do anything to promote the movie. <laughs> but but he's, he, uh, he is a brilliant actor. He was beautiful in this film. And he was great. And he plays the defendant, Spell. Yes. And, you know, when I, and that was a scene that we wrote. And, and I, won't, I don't want to give away too much, but Spell is given uh, an offer for a plea bargain. That if you plead guilty, you know, your sentence will be much less than it would be uh, if you're convicted. And yeah. he has to make these decisions. I mean, that's something that happens every single day now in courthouses throughout the United States to tens of hundreds of thousands of yeah. people who are put in that position. And there's something inherently wrong with it that if you have to decide that you get punished essentially <laughs> for getting for exercising a right to a jury trial yeah and he said you know you can just one way or the other and so there are all these things now that's something that's so current the the general atmosphere uh is so current of you know the, the yeah. sort of heightened racism and anti-semitism that's now all over the place yeah and and there's one line we have in the movie where there's a big demonstration on of, of, of white racists. And Sam says, see what you stirred up. Mm -hmm. And he said, we didn't stir it up. We just brought them out in the open where you can see them. There you go. You know? There you go. Because they were there all the time and they have been there all the time. Well, I, I tell you, there's another little nice touch in this film yeah. that brings it right to this current moment. Yeah. The Trayvon Martin's parents now I could talk about it because Reggie Reggie tweeted it or he Facebooked did. Oh, okay, it. Okay, okay. So I'm not giving it away. Okay, okay. And uh, and I'm telling you, when when I was in the theater with people, people gasped, mm -hmm. and people brought tears to people's eyes that when they saw that. Yeah. Some people didn't know who they were, yeah. but the majority of people in the theater knew who they were. Yeah. Knew who they were. They did. I know. And Isn't they looked that a, beautiful. That amazed me. They were beautiful. They and beautiful. They were good actors too. I know. <laughs> Uh, Mrs. Oh man, she is she is incredible. She had lived, by the way. I mean, it, and Absolutely. it was such a yeah. it was a very southern kind of feeling to it too. They were very southern with this whole his, yeah. hospitality yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. So I thought it was really well they done. You know, that was, was Reggie's touch. That was Reggie's touch. But it was a end. nice touch. It was a great touch. It's like the past reaching back it to the future, the or the future thing. reaching yeah, back to the past. It brings the whole thing up to the present. Yeah. It just brings the whole thing and says, and also. Now, it, from a movie point of view, I don't know if you ever remember the movie Viva Zapata. Yes. But in Viva Zapata, it was about this revolutionary in Mexico, uh, Emiliano Zapata, and he gets shot at the end 
people say at the end, no, he's not dead. He's still alive and he's going to come back someday and help us. And, and that's sort of that thing, you know, that Marshall is still there. Yes, right? he's still there. He's still there to help you if you want, if you're ready to, if, when, you, when you're ready. I love that. So tell me, what, did, what was the most interesting thing that you learned in the process of writing this? What did you learn? I couldn't say what the most interesting thing. I think the thing that I learned about Marshall's early life was mind-blowing. The thing I learned about uh, Harlem culture at that time mm-hmm. uh, was mind-blowing. But there were so many, and, and going through Marshall's letters, which you, were, you mentioned earlier about the letters, he, he was a great letter writer. Yes, I think most people in that age were because yeah. that was the mode of communication. Yeah. yeah. So, and he was so such a, a beautiful writer himself about uh, life on the road, and he said he said things like in one of the letters he says, um, "I go into these small towns, and uh, the people there have never seen a black lawyer, and they're they're shocked and they're afraid. But then I go into court and I go before these juries, and they see." That the world doesn't fall apart. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, a wonderful thing. Yeah, it's a and 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 he. I, I'm paraphrasing those words, but it was such a beautiful thought. And and let me tell you one other thing about that I really liked about about this movie, and that is that black people have not been treated well by the movie industry. Uh, yeah, uh, I would I, say. So. Do you I think would, I am? Yeah, I think, am I, is I that think an you're on to something. Is that an? Is that an insight? <laughs> I think you're I mean, on to something. I'm probably telling you something you don't know. Uh, <laughs> but but you know, and kids who go to movies and see this image are their brains are distorted by seeing these bad images on the screen, drug pushers and prostitutes and everybody they see in a movie. And this is a movie, as Reggie Hudlin said, this is a movie where uh, Marshall is not looking to go against power. He's looking to, he is the power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is an unusual, an unusual movie. I mean, he is the king. He is the best. He is the professional uh, who is you know, the best lawyer ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a, I went, we screened it the other day you, with, for the Elm City Kids. Yes. That was the best, that was my, of all the screenings we've done, maybe, I don't know, 20 screenings, I, that was the most rewarding for me because those kids loved it. They were kids from Bridgeport, kids from New Haven. They, were, they filled the theater. Yes. And they, were all se- they were all seniors and juniors in high school. They cheered during the movie for Marshall. <laughs> they were vocal. They didn't hold it in. And at the end, they stayed in questions and this thing. And one kid said, I want to be a lawyer. Good. I mean, that's the... Well, because you what know what? Better reward because you want to see, you want to see us win. And when I mean us, I mean you want to see yes. black people see, win. You say us, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we want to, we want to yeah. see us as the hero. Yeah. Yes, but not just the athletic hero. Yes, and I got nothing against that, or the musician artist hero. You right. know, we want to see or the violent hero, or the violent hero. Yeah, and I'm not mad at any of that. No, but it is nice to sort of see someone 
who we know yeah. we know and hold in great reverence but uh yeah but had a whole other life you know had a life leading up to yeah and he was so here he is he's He's a professional man. And yeah. he's Yes, he's a professional know? man. Yeah. And he's looking good. And, and he's, he's dressed well. Good. Men dressed well in those days, yeah. you know. And I mean, so. Reggie said there were, I forget, he enumerated what he thought were the three, some of the three greatest civil rights leaders of all time. And I think it was uh, Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King and maybe it was Malcolm X. Was the, and then Thurgood Marshall. Thurgood Marshall. Three of them were known for violating the law marshall is known for making the law yeah and for using the law yeah and so he has a holds a unique place in in our history so that's what i think i feel best about you know so tell me about how it feels to be from connecticut from bridgeport and have this jewel of a case and you talk. I I was at the first. I was at the screening at the at the Criterion. Yeah. And you talked about how uh, the scene where Friedman 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 yeah. was explaining the gag and the and the scream. Oh, you. But you were talking about it. And I was fascinated, and you said I didn't have to write that. That was that was real. I took that yeah, right yeah, from yeah, the yeah. well. There's uh, there, from the paper. Maybe I could, <laughs> what I can talk about as a general thing is that most of what happens in this movie is real. Uh, I mean, the case is real. The facts are real. The accusations are real, and some of the things that happened in court are real, uh, and that's one of them. And some most of it was dialogue because there was no transcript so i wrote the dialogue my son wrote the dialogue that of what happened in the courtroom uh but uh the you know the accusations are all real and and spell which this is not going to give away too much spell was a guy who had been from louisiana he had a wife in louisiana who he left he had, had been in the army got a dishonorable discharge he'd been charged by his employer with stealing his former employer and now he's got these charges all that's real uh marshall's called up to try the case and ends up trying it with friedman that's all real the charges are real and the trial is and the you know the the charges against him were all real and the result is real i tell you when i watched sterling brown k brown play spell he played him with such restraint, because you could go either way. He yeah. could be an arrogant SOB yeah. and just be like, you know, yeah, 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 I did all these things. But he wasn't. He was. You saw, you saw the vulnerable. It's like I'm just a guy that got caught up in a bad situation. Yeah. I'm not a bad guy. Yeah. I'm in a bad yeah. situation. Yeah. And he played it with yeah. such restraint. And yeah. and the fear of not telling the truth was very real. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So yeah. I thought he was beautiful yeah. in that and conveying yeah. so much of of of, how, of our everyday. That that's how some of us he's, feel every day. He's a real person. He's a real person. Sterling is brilliant. You he's know. a brilliant, brilliant actor. It was wonderful. I this yeah. film is a good. So so but it's also funny. Yeah, I mean, the, right? yes, right. <laughs> I mean, people. That's what. Uh, that, that's he's another. Very good. Thing. Had a good sense of humor. He had a good sense of humor, and when we wrote the script, my son and I put a lot of humor in it uh-huh. because and then when reggie got it he when he started directing it what he said was i don't want the film to be medicine 
I don't want people oh, to feel that. Oh, I'm going to go to this movie. I'm going to be so depressed. And, you know, and there are movies like that. There are a lot of them. Which are needed, but yeah, yeah, still. Yeah. So he said, I don't want it to be medicine, and I want it to be accessible. I want people to enjoy it, to understand it, to want to see it. I want young kids. He said, you know, like 42, the movie 42. He said, I liked 42. He said, because I it was a film I felt I could bring my kids to. Yes. And they would... Come out of it, better people. Yes. And they would enjoy yes. it. And, yes. And that's what he wanted with this film. That's how I felt about The Good too, I, I thought. I think sort of uh, Hidden Figures was sort of that way, too. Yes. You know, a very delightful... And we can do these kinds of films. Of course. Without yeah. sort of like making people um, larger than life and, you know, that sort of mythical kind yeah. of goodness. We're not, we're not making magical people, but people in extraordinary situations who... Yeah. Uh, rise to their better selves, I but would say. I think so. I think and, so. And Hollywood sort of likes when it does civil rights films to sort of, they they don't really like to show all that that much generally. Because they might think it takes away from the, <laughs> the larger context, maybe? I don't know. I, don't know. They, I mean, you know. Uh, it doesn't have to be dreary to be good. It doesn't have to be dreary. <laughs> People don't have to be shown, and this is another one of the things Reggie said, is, you know, um, African-American people don't want to always see themselves as victims. Yes. They want to see themselves as power. And that's my point, that yeah. we want to see us win sometimes. Yeah. We want to see us win because against all odds. Yeah. Because every day some depression. people are winning against all odds. So. Yeah. so were the Marshall family helpful in helping you frame out Thurgood Marshall? Uh, John Marshall in particular. Okay. He, uh, we, I spent a fair amount of time with him and... And he he was great. Did he, he tell stories about his dad? Told stories what did he? about his dad. Yeah, he told. I mean, there were a lot of stories about his dad, especially in this era, going through the South and having, having, uh, having gangs come after him and threaten him and people with shotguns. He almost got lynched himself. Ugh. I I you know what? I'm surprised yeah. that he didn't. That he didn't. Yeah. Because you yeah. know that was no easy thing. Yeah. So what's next for you, Michael? I mean, you still have to. We still you. This film it hasn't even opened yet. Yeah. There's, you know, I'm I'm sure there will be groundswell of Oscar buzz. I, I hope. Oh no, it's it's coming. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's coming. Yeah. I know yeah. it's coming. It's coming. Um. So what do you what do you do? Do you relax or do you well, jump right into this. the next project? Uh, I'm not giving up my day job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a lawyer. Koskoff, Koskoff and Peter, Bridgeport, Connecticut, New Haven, Connecticut. <laughs> Still trying cases. <laughs> and, I got, and my law firm was great to me during this whole thing because they well, were... Well, your name is on it. Well, they were so involved in the project. They loved it. And listen, the, you know, the prospects of a movie actually getting made... Yes. ...are just remote. It's like winning the lottery. So It's, it's, it's about like you're going to win the lottery. There's no question. And I, peop, I used to tell people I was writing a screenplay and they'd roll their eyes. <laughs> 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 I got a little pleasure out of that. Uh, but even so, my law firm was great to me. They kept paying me as I, as I was missing time to do this so sort of thing. Did you know that you could do this? Like, how did you know you could do this? No, uh, I didn't. But I'm, a, I'm always been an optimist. And I remain an optimist. And I think, I think that you have to be an optimist in life if you're ever going to do anything. If you start thinking of all the things that can go wrong, you never try anything. Yeah, that's true. And so I said, look, and, and I, of course, I was in a great position 
because I didn't depend on it economically. Because okay. I had my because all the lawyers in my firm are out there working for me <laughs> and doing and supporting me. Uh, but also I and also my son who had this who is really a talented writer and I got to work with my son. What could be a better a better thing. And I get to work with my son and my, my other son in my law firm with uh, my son, Josh, who's handling the case for the Sandy Hook. Oh, my God. Sandy Hook families against the gun companies. Wow. So uh, you're deep in you're deep in the righteousness of things. You know, my background was with, uh, you know, I defended the Black Panthers in New Haven yes. in 1970. Yes. We represented the Black uh, Firemen in New Haven and in Bridgeport and in their cases and the black police organizations. So it's, it's, it's part of my history. Yes. And that's, I also drew on that. That's you know, a rich said, history. Yeah. I mean, I knew when I represented the Panthers, there were certain things that happened like, and they come, they, I have stuff in this movie that didn't happen to Thurgood. That happened to me. <laughs> you know, you know, some of the things, uh, the, the jury selection, I will tell one little story. Where uh, one of the jurors who comes up, you remember that when they did jury selection in yes. the movie, and this one guy comes up and he says, "Do you have any feelings?" And the guy says, "Yeah." He says, "I don't care for the colored much." <laughs> and Josh Gad, who's looking at him, sort of his eyes go up and he pauses, and the guy turns and says, "Don't care much for Hebrews either." Oh, <laughs> so, yes, yes. And then he says, "I figured you were one." <laughs> I mean, that really happened during the Panther oh, trials Lord when I was selecting a jury in the Panther trials. Oh, Someone my God. <laughs> so, look, you just, like, have all this wealth of, of experiences and information that sort of, uh, it doesn't matter that it's 40 years ago or 20 or 30. It's all yeah. still relative. It still is. Still relative. Yep. Yeah. So, are you going to gonna keep screenwriting? Yeah. Because you know you have a real talent now. I could do it. And I, do I, it. I love are people calling with my you? son. And he's like, hey, we Michael, gotten, we got a script. We need you to a got, book or something. Actually, we've got two of them now that people what? have called us on, my son and I, They would who would like us to. Take actually, it. what they are, they're, they're scripts that already exist. They want us to rewrite. They want y'all to fix it. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, y'all the fixers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a wonder. I, listen, this is a whole other career. I know. I mean, you know. I, this is a whole other career, <laughs> which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. So, yeah. so now you're going out to California next week for... We're going out on Saturday. There's going to be a big premiere on, on Monday at the, uh, uh, at the Chinese theater. The okay, so Chinese what are you wearing? Uh, you know, <laughs> Come on, you have to represent. I, I, I think I'm going to wear a black suit. Uh -huh. I'm not going to wear a tux uh, because I hate tux. Okay. I, hate, I hate putting those buttons on. <laughs> so, now now you got to get you a, a stylist. <laughs> yes I, that's what i keep telling my wife but she puts me in my place believe me she she uh, she's like listen <laughs> you listen don't yeah who do you think you are <laughs> so you're not mick jagger <laughs> well that's a this is a wonderful movie yeah. you should be very proud well, i hope you are proud, proud. I, I am it is you know beautiful. what i'm proud about is that is that it's a movie that that you know we had a part of my son and i had a part of and that then such professionals came on and made it into such a beautiful film and that it, it's a movie that can have an effect. Yes. You know, it can actually, I, I've always believed in that movies, you know, they can be artistic and everything, but when they speak to people to change yes. their lives somehow, to see those little kids, this little kid say, I want to be a lawyer. Yeah. I mean, to me, that was That's, worth eight years of work. There you go.
Yeah. So the film opens nationwide October 13th. Yes. So everybody go see it. Everybody. Everybody goes. It's a beautiful film. Thank you, Michael Costco. Oh, it's great, Babs. Thanks. I look forward Thanks to for seeing you. Me. And this, I can't wait. Thanks, Reggie, if you're listening. And uh, I'll see you on Facebook. And uh, everybody go see this film October 13th. Thank you, Harry, for producing. I'll Thanks, see you all Harry. next week. Oh, happy new year to you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>